one billion years in the future, Earth still exists, though maybe not as we imagine it. Eras upon bygone eras worth of technology have been left behind by eight previous and fallen civilizations. It is now up to the denizens of the Ninth World to piece together what was left behind. Perhaps they're looking to carve out their place in the world, or simply to survive a land riddled with weird and unearthly dangers. Or perhaps still, they just wish to learn and uncover the secrets of the Numenera. Whatever it is this new era of adventurers and heroes is looking to discover, they'll have to dig through the imprinted echoes of the past to find it. Hello, and welcome to Imprinted Echoes, a family-friendly Numenera actual play podcast. I'm Zan, and I'll be your GM. This episode is a little shorter than normal for us, as we allow our characters time to prepare for their return to the echo chamber and the implications of turning it on. Mentorship is offered, jewelry is gifted, and devices are prepared. Join us as Nehemiah, Smallrin, and Jory ready themselves to once again delve underground. I think a drink sounds good after a heavy conversation. Yep, Mm -hmm. I could go for a blue something myself. You guys head back to the first tree with Fahura, who gets you all drinks and begins, at this point, making lunch. Something light. Nothing fancy. Yeah. (laughs) But two weeks has been your timeline. Over the course of two weeks, a lot can happen. Are there any projects that you personally would like to look into or oversee or things that you'd like to do? I have some ideas for each of you, but I want to know if there's anything that you guys have in mind first. Smallrin definitely wants to finish as much as possible mapping the the complex below. We did as much as we could, but there were definitely things we didn't see. The three of you even just kind of talking about the things that you have found down there. Jory, you remember that you found that tablet in one of the labs? Yes. And anyone, go ahead and roll me uh, an intellect level two. If you want to look at this thing. And this is just kind of something that over the course of the two weeks, everyone kind of takes a look at it. You're referring to the tablet, yes? Yeah. I had a success with an 11. Success for Smallrim. Success for everybody. Nine. Wonderful. It's amazing because I have inability with understanding the Monera. <laughs> oh, shoot. That's very true. I probably could have put that in. Oh, well, it's too late now. Even if you did, even if it was hindered one, you'd still pass. So you guys kind of all take a look at it. And really between the three of you kind of poking and prodding at it, eventually you figure out this is an auto mapper. Well, that makes things easier. <laughs> right. <laughs> So an auto-mapper is a slab that tracks its own progression through the world, creating a virtual light map of the area on its surface as it goes. Oh, cool. And it does this for about a month. At the end of a month, it resets itself and begins again. So it doesn't move on its own, but if you walk through the area, it will map things for you very, very accurately. And then give you time to record that accurate map before it resets. Now, since you guys have two weeks, you have a little bit of time. 
I'll say that over the course of everything and going back down there, you go through all the areas you've already been to. I will say any rooms minus the echo chamber that you haven't opened up, you're able to open up and get a good idea on. Most of it has been like storage. There's like, you find a handful of like ciphers and the like, most of which are kind of just put more towards the resources of figuring out whatever Rufus is working on. And so you have a very good layout so far of everything that you've explored in terms of passageway and levels and the like. Yes, that's taken care of. No problem. Jory or Nehemiah, anything specifically you wanted to work on? I will... I extend uh, my offer to help Iona. Should there be anything on the people side that needs assistance? Sure. The... The fungus that was on all the grain is still a problem. Okay. So, make me... Intellect level two. Okay. Success six. Wonderful. You... You remember that Rufus had a device that would make a loud sound. But it would hurt everybody's ears, possibly causing damage and pain and all that good stuff. So instead, you kind of... You're not a right, but you do have an idea of, like, Numenera to an extent. You're, you're a delve. You have some understanding of how things fit together, at least a little bit. And instead, you kind of fashion a big dome. Not huge, like maybe three feet across that people can kind of carry and, like, put over everything. And then have the loud sound be projected through that to be able to kind of do it in sections. So you, you, over the course of the two weeks, help with that, help in creating that as well as implementing it. And you're able to get rid of most of the fungus. Perfect. Ooh, boy, I feel useful. Nehemiah? It would mostly be a lot of guard duty um, and helping out with the, the mapping project just in case something were to go wrong, he, he would be down there pretty much every time anybody went in just in case something happened. Save, like, little things here and there, like you guys run into more Faradox, little, like, lightning manta ray things, handful of other critters and creatures, nothing that you have too much of a problem handling or sure. getting out of the way of. But mostly thanks to you, all those adventures back down are safe. Do we do we encounter any other void friends while we're down there? Not unless you go down into the area where they are. Nehemiah, go ahead and roll me a might defense level two. Okay. Ooh, failure. During one of the expeditions down, you you sustained some pretty grievous damage. Mm-hmm. It near takes you down. This time it was a it was a larger group of the Prower, mm-hmm. still down from that kind of weird area, and you held the line very well and everyone else was kinda of able to get away, but like that poison in their their proboscis is nothing to mess with and it got you as mm-hmm. it was coming out. So you spend a couple days kind of just holed up in bed. And in doing so, Brex actually stays by your hammock the entire time. Oh. Like, standing guard over you. 
at one point I attempt to like, you don't have to, but I, I imagine that goes about as well as I'd think. And he continues standing, they continue to stand sentinel. So pretty much I, I accept it. Once you're up and about, they go back to whatever it is they do, mostly guard duty and kind of walking mm-hmm. around patrolling. It seems to be what they do almost constantly. Does Brex sleep or eat? You've never seen Brex sleep or eat. Does Brex make any kind of odd sounds, like movement? Not like servos or squeaks or, or anything. No, the typical kind of sounds. It sounds like a suit of armor. Like, because there's Numenera and, and plates and stuff kind of like clinking and moving and save that. It doesn't sound like they are robotic, if that's what you're asking. Smallrin, you usually spend some time helping Eidos or Rufus kind of working on stuff, and that's no different now. Your mentor's notes haven't proven all that useful in this particular thing, save for knowing what a handful of ciphers and bits and bobs of Numenera are or how they might be utilized. What was your mentor's, like, specialty? They were... Like, basically, we were part of a large criminal organization, so they used uh, their their connection to ciphers and the Numenera uh, for a lot of surveillance-style work. Um, okay. So, yeah, it was, like, tapping into, like, information networks, but also, like, actual um, audio and visual surveillance. Um, that was kind of where they focused a lot of their a lot of their energy. Go ahead and roll me an understanding Numenera check. So that'll be intellect-based. It will be level five. I believe you're trained in understanding Numenera. Is that right? Um, or no, you're not. I am not. I, I, I don't okay. have an inability in it, but I'm not trained in it. Gotcha. Okay. I'm going to spend for a point of effort. Nope. Failure with a six. Your mentor's notes usually make a lot of sense to you. But for some reason trying to transfer this knowledge of using Numenera for surveillance, you, th- you thought it would be easy. Like, oh, okay, picking up sound and utilizing it, hearing it. You're having a very hard time transferring that knowledge over to its current application. It takes you, rather than taking you a couple days, you do eventually figure out how to utilize those notes, but it takes you almost the entire two weeks intermittently before you're able to, like, make the connections of how Rufus might be able to efficiently use some of their equipment in this sense. Over the course of the two weeks, Jory, you, in addition to helping out with the fields, kind of just offer up your services where wherever needed, and Dio offers to take you on a hunting trip. Sure, I'll come along. Go ahead and roll me a might attack roll okay level three Whoppa. success at a 19 with a minor effect That's... all right so you guys have to go farther out than normal obviously because of the force field that's using sound to keep creatures out you head out together and you sneak up on a frilled ball so the same kind of creature that sling is but clearly not sling right how does this pan out? Because that's a minor effect. What does that look like? I look at Dio and I want to try to get work in tandem to figure out what we're doing using a series of gestures. You guys figure out a unique hand signal 
language and you're able to take the frilled ball down pretty quickly and that's a that's a good amount of meat for for the settlement for a little while Aha! see that is why i wanted to talk about our gestures while we were walking this way mm. i will have to try to remember those for next time because i think i've already forgotten half of them that's fair i kind of presented a lot to you and most of them were pretty pointless and ancillary so i don't think i know what that word that's means. all right <laughs> Not having been there, I'm going to make the executive decision that it was a flawless fusion of interpretive dance and semaphore. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will help take everything back. I do, do we do we dress it out, or do we do that at home? Okay, I didn't know. Okay. Well, I, I will assist with that in the best way that I am able. On the way back. Says, um, so, I know we've been roommates for a while, but um, yeah. I was wondering if you'd like this. And he holds out his hand, and in his hand is a is like a chain with a little rock or shell, maybe a piece of synth. And it's it looks like it was at one point round, but it's like got a jagged cut through the center, and it says friends. And then he holds out his other hand. He has a he has a best. Oh my god! <laughs> it cannot. This is the best. I uh, know this is really silly. I'm sorry. This is silly. I um, no D- best friends. Um. <laughs> I also have another question. Yes. Is it okay if I have multiple best friends? <laughs> You know what? Actually, that's fantastic. You you can have <laughs> as many best friends as you like, I think. Cool, because I made one for Nehemiah, too. Oh. Um, And I didn't want things to be weird. <laughs> you know what? I think I'm going to be okay. Best platonic thruple ever. Do you think Smallrin's going to be okay that I didn't make one for her? She scares me. She kind of scares everybody, so I'm sure she won't be offended. Uh, but if it comes down to it, just um, I, I, I don't have any good advice for you. I'm sorry. I'll keep thinking on that. Ruminating. <laughs> right. Okay. Cool. Well, let's get this back because I have something to give Nehemiah. <laughs> All right. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> I will put it on. Um. So you get you get the friends half. Cool. And after you guys drag it in, Nehemiah, you're at the first tree, and Dio comes running in. Nehemiah, I have something for you. Oh, yeah? What's that? I made these, and gives you the side that says best. So now Dio has a best end of friends, <laughs> and you enjoy <laughs> have the opposites. <laughs> See, it, it matches. Well, I'm touched. That immediately puts it on. Jory has one too, just so you know. Excellent. You guys are really great. You too, buddy. Yeah. I'm gonna go help get the thing that we we caught taken care of, but uh I'll catch you around. Alright. I make another series of hand gestures that I like to think means see ya. <laughs> he gives you finger guns. Sounds perfect. You gotta develop an elaborate secret handshake. Oh, it's gonna happen.
Smallrin, at some point, Adriel finds you. We'll say about a week and a half into the two weeks. Just kind of leaning against what was, at one point, the outer wall. It's a lot of hurry up and wait, it seems. You said you were out here... Essentially seeking revenge. So-so. Waiting for revenge to come to you. More, more that. What else are you looking for? Because that's... While complicated... Pretty shallow. Not in terms of, like, emotional energy, but in terms of overall purpose. It is somewhat limited, yes. I... I suppose that in the end I have always wondered what would I have been if my mentor hadn't taken me in as a child. I must have learned a lot of the things I have natural abilities, which is why I was chosen, but I don't have to go back to the life I led once I've gotten what I wanted from the people that killed my mentor. So I suppose I wanted to find a place that not only would allow me a good place to strike from, but was somewhere that I could build something new afterwards. You don't... And forgive me if this is a little too forward, but you don't particularly strike me as the... build-a-community type. I don't know that what I want to build is a community, but I want to see if it's possible for me to enjoy doing something else. If not, then... I retain connections. I can always go back. Allow me to offer you something else. Ooh. I, too, have connections, though they are relatively atrophied by this point. And she kind of turns and lifts up her hair, and on the back of her neck is a tattoo that is two, like, interlinking eyes with, like, the iris in between the two of them. Have you seen this symbol before? I don't know, have I? <laughs> yes, but you're not quite sure what it means. Actually, roll me history. Yeah, I'm assuming this would just be a straight roll. What level do you want? Level four. seen the symbol before, but you're not really sure what it might be connected with. It's familiar, but I don't know that I could tell you where I've seen it. It's the symbol of the Convergence. A group very similar to the Aeon Priests of the Order of Truth. We revere knowledge and the power of the past, but while... And no offense to Eidos. While the Aeon Priests seek out ways to utilize that power to better the world and their own intellectual advancements, I'd rather seek out power. For myself. And for the group. In a way. I do it very differently than any of my colleagues ever did. And like I said, I haven't really talked to them in a good long while. 
But what they stand for still stands true to me. Would you like a new mentor? It's something to consider. Although in that case, my question is, why were you so reluctant about our idea of making use of the column as a power source? If you are seeking power above all else, I would think that that would be your first thought when confronted with a powerful thing. Can't seem too eager. So the others don't know. Edos knows. But they're naive enough to think that they've helped me past those ways. They're an incredibly intuitive person. I'm simply better at deception. They are somewhat naive. At least in terms of social interactions. They're incredibly smart when it comes to the technology of the world. I will definitely consider your offer. It's interesting. I... I don't know that I'm ready to make a commitment to another mentor until I have avenged the first one. If that makes sense. Absolutely. But perhaps in time. I will need something to do with myself. Keep me in mind. I'm not going in. Not really. Nor I. Oh, and I'd appreciate you keeping this to yourself. I usually do. Wonderful. And she kind of just casually saunters off. Ah! Adriel, stir in the pot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nehemiah, during one of the times that you all go down to investigate the things below, Brex comes with you. And they kind of just, you know, walk around with you guys. When you pass by the echo chamber, they kind of just go up to it and, like, hold their hand on the door and just stay there for a couple minutes. What's going through your mind there, Brex? turns and the visor is deep emerald green. I really should be writing down what these colors mean, honestly. You know what? I will say you've, in spending some time with it, I will call, with them, I will call this essentially an insight-based social interaction. Okay. Um, so go ahead and we'll make it a level four. I am trained in that, as I am trained in all social interactions. I'm sorry, uh, you said intellect? Yes, uh, yes. Okay. I will also burn a point of intellect to ease that up a step. Mm-hmm. Boom. That's a success with a 14. Sure. Clearly this is a mood ring. Sadness. Intense sadness. Mm. You found the deeper and more saturated the color, the more intense the feeling. Mm-hmm. You can hear him, can't you? They kind of look back at the door and kind of just tilt their head and 
trace out an N on the door. Have you been here before, Brex? Like, before we all got here? Before you as the current characters got here or before anyone got here? Before anybody got here. Ah. Brex kind of... The visor goes to, again, that kind of pink color. Mm -hmm. Which you've learned is maybe confusion or not sure, mixed answer. It's just... When I went in there, um, instead of overwhelming sadness, I felt overwhelming pain, like, in my brain. And you seem to... You pity them. You're sad for them. And I I can get that, and I can get why, but I figured it'd make more sense if you were maybe part of here initially. You might not might not have picked up on this, but you're a little quiet on your background, so I don't, you know, for all I know, you came from here. And it kind of shifts back to the neutral purple. <laughs> kind of give you a hearty pat on the shoulder and kind of like continue on. Yeah, it's, it's like that, like that, yes. All right, let's, um... Let's keep moving. Anything anyone else wants to do over the course of the two weeks? Um, I am going to just say that Smallren, uh, on account of the ocular implant that she now has that makes her impatient, right. spends the entire two weeks constantly busy. Like she, she is finding it harder than usual to wait for something that she knows needs to be waited for. So she is making sure that at all times that she's not sleeping, she's occupied. Because otherwise, the the urge to go do something, it gets kind of overwhelming, and her eye gets twitchy. It gets tiring after a while, just trying to keep yourself constantly busy. But it works well enough, and... Do you have a name for your Ogren orb yet? I don't... I haven't thought of a good one yet, no. I, I don't know that Smallrin's going to name it, honestly. Okay. Okay. Bridget, Bridget likes to name things, but I don't know that Smallren would. Bridget calls it squishy. <laughs> It'll be squishy and it think, shall be I think mine. you said, I think you said squidlet. Squidlet, that's what it was. Yes. Squidlet. squidlet. So I do have Jory and the Squidlets written down as a band for some reason. Yes. I, for, I forget why. <laughs> that's a great band name. You should yeah. hang on to that. It really is. Well, it'd make more sense for it to be Smallren and the Squidlets. No, I like yeah. Jory and the Squidlets, though. Fair enough. Jory has a very bandable name. It's true. Um, I don't think there's anything else that I'm doing. I am helping with the harvest and hunting and uh, trying to subconsciously hide my best jewelry whenever I'm around Smallrin, just in case. Um, and uh, I think that's about it. Just trying to shake off those nerves for whatever's going to happen. The two weeks goes by and... Actually, a day early, Rufus kind of calls everybody together. I, I think I, I think I have something. I think I have something. They bring everyone in to their the workshop and their housing situation is kind of melded into one. There's not really necessarily a defined space any longer, um, which you know 
is what it is. But... I've taken things in a different... different path. I have found a way to utilize the... the orb, or technically the goo within the orb, to transfer how that works and, and reroute power and, and that's that's good. Um, so whenever we're ready, I can ins essentially install a switch that will either allow the power that is being created by the orb through the sounds that we all just kind of create naturally um, to either be routed into the into a, a power source that we have or or somewhere else where it already is going. If we want to do that, we, we can. Um, I cannot, I don't think, transfer it down to the echo chamber without us being in there. So, that's... That's only if we want to do that. <laughs> I have also found a way to utilize it to have it outside the, the orb. Um, but I created this as well. And they bring out a two pillars that are about five feet tall and like a foot by a foot made out of mostly metal and synth but they each have a green orb kind of embedded so it sticks out on like each side near the top of each of them I I call this a pain taker go on I have the ability to heal people, and I utilize my knowledge with that to hopefully take some of the mental anguish from whatever it is down there. It will All right. hopefully also keep it in place, but sedate it in a way, I think. So this would allow us to use the echo chamber. If we want, yes. Yes, if we... If we want to not utilize it as the power source, then yes. If we want to utilize the thing as the power source, I can... There's there's a way for me to easily just kind of add another piece onto this. It just hooks right in here, and, and we can siphon something off from it in terms of sound and use the goo, and it will create a power source, and that's not a problem. But I wanted something to help it without it being trapped. Necessarily, it, it will still trap it, but like it won't feel like, trapped. It's like having a big mental weighted blanket. All right, that's what I got. All right, all right. Here's my question then: If we use the orb and we switch it, what happens? Is that going to cut off boyfriend and their ilk downstairs? I don't think so. They have okay. a significant amount of stored power. Jory was able to access recordings from who knows how long ago, and it's still storing them. I think we can reroute it for at least a short time to figure out what we're doing here. That's at least my understanding of it. It can't be forever. No. But at least a little while. I think they have a, a, a good amount of stored energy right now. All right. It, it isn't siphoning off from what they have. It's simply stopping it from creating anything new for a little while, if that makes sense. That Yeah, I like that. Let's, let's go ahead and set up the pain takers, and then 
switch it over. Okay. Is there anything that you guys need to do? I'm obviously the others are going to come down as well, I think. But anything you want to do to prepare? Um, I do want to make sure to grab. Um, I believe I had it stuffed under my bed, but it's the uh, machine control implant piece oh, yeah. cipher that I want to make sure I've got mm -hmm. that on me, and just in case I need sure. it. Sure, absolutely. Smallrin, as they're kind of gathering things together, uh, says to Nehemiah and Jory, "Oh, and uh, don't forget to say goodbye to your best friend, Dio." And she winks with the ocular implant eye. Cold sweat. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Oh, no. Because Smallren is officially trained in all perception tasks. So I'm True. assuming that paired with her regular yeah. noticingness that she she noticed. That, that worked. Nehemiah. <laughs> yeah. Why did we non-verbally decide to keep this a secret? <laughs> I don't know. It felt awkward to like be out front about I it. I felt so awkward because they felt so awkward. And now everyone feels awkward and it's awkward all around. I don't feel awkward at all. No. They... I didn't think you did. <laughs> well, the tension's broken now, so... The tension's broken. Yep. I need to carry one of these big pillars. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> and I need to go twiddle my thumbs. Excuse me. <laughs> and you guys spend the rest of the afternoon and into the evening and even into the night getting everything set up and ready to go down. You kind of have a small caravan gathering together. And once everyone's assembled, you three, Rufus, bot bot. Brex, Adriel, Edos, and Fahura all kind of gather up at the opening with the elevator, kind of loading everything into there, hoping beyond belief that all of Rufus's inventions work exactly the way they say they will. Game. Thank you so much for listening to episode 27 of Imprinted Echoes. If you'd like to follow the podcast on social media, you'll find us on Twitter and Facebook at Imprinted Echoes and our website at imprintedechoes.com. On our website, you can find links to the other Ghostlight media shows as well as our merch store and our Patreon. If you're able to help us out monetarily there, we would be forever grateful. And in that vein, I would like to thank JJ and Veronica, Everett, and Connor for their support. If you'd like to help us out in other ways... Please consider telling a friend about our show, or even better, leaving us a good rating and review on whatever podcatcher will let you do so. As always, you can find our hosts on Twitter, myself at Covered and Sawdust, Chase at TQ Loudly, Rin at Rin underscore Moran, and Bridget at Really Bridget. And of course, feel free to follow our network, Ghostlight Media, at GLM Pods. Thanks once again for listening, and I hope you'll come back in two weeks to hear another episode of Imprinted Echoes. And until then, may your ciphers never malfunction. Imprinted Echoes is produced by Zan Campbell-Johannes and Chase Greenley, and is edited by Pat Mahood. Original show theme music is by Justin Longacre. This is a Ghostlight Media production.